Britt Harrison has been working in Tanzania for the last nine years. Uh, he lives there. He speaks fluent Swahili. Uh, I mean, really, really fluent. He could talk just like a native. That right? And uh, Brett is, uh, he uses his knowledge of agriculture and teaching agriculture as a door, as a doorway uh, to teach people about God. And uh, he's been doing this for a long time. He's a very determined and dedicated young man. And I think you'll enjoy his presentation. Just pay, give him your full attention, if you would. And if you get a chance, meet his beautiful, lovely wife and three children that also live in Tanzania with him. You know, he didn't just leave them. (laughs) He's got his family over there, too. Okay, Brett. Good evening. Uh, we are happy to be here. Uh, we're happy to be in the air conditioning tonight. Uh, we, nine days ago, we were in Tanzania in East Africa, and we don't know heat like this heat, uh, even in Tanzania. So, uh, yeah, it's been outrageous in, in, in Texas, um, but we're really happy to be with you tonight. Uh, we want to thank you for your continued support. For nine years, Dangerfield Church has supported us in our work. Uh, you have hopefully been praying for us. I know at least some of you have. I, I heard this morning that someone had a photo of us on a fridge. Uh, and that photo, I think we have one child. And we've since had two more. So we probably need to make you some, some more photos. Um, but yeah, all, of our, all three of our kids were born in Tanzania. We've been there nine years. And um, things are going exceptionally well in our work. And so I want to tell you some about that tonight. Uh, but I've probably got more material than we have time to cover, so we're going to jump right in. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, Matthew gives us a summary statement of Jesus' ministry. And what he says is, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So this text and several others uh, are really important to us in our work, and I'll, I'll tell you more why uh, later. But let's go to Matthew chapter 9 now. It's very similar. It's another, it's another summary statement of Jesus' ministry by Matthew. And he says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. We can learn a lot about evangelism and missions from these two texts. Uh, they're short scriptures, but they tell us a lot. Some of those are interesting. I'm not going to talk about them much tonight. But just for, in, for, for, for interest's sake... Uh, Jesus was teaching in their synagogues. He chose to start with the religious people and teach there first and then move out from there. And I think that's something that, that we can learn a lot about missions and evangelism in that way. But, but I want to go to this next section. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. We're not going to spend a lot of time here either, but it's interesting that here Jesus wasn't proclaiming the good news of his death, although that is by all means great news. He wasn't proclaiming the good news of Uh, forgiveness of sins, though that's also, by all means, terrific news. But the good news he's proclaiming is that of the kingdom. The fact that we can become citizens of another kingdom that's different than the one we were born into. And his death and his sacrifice and our forgiveness of sins are all crucially important and needed and required in order for us to be members of that kingdom, to be citizens of that kingdom. But the good news is the kingdom itself in these two texts. And then we see how he did it. How did he proclaim? He proclaimed it using words. And then he also healed every disease and sickness. So what I see there is 
Jesus wanted people to understand the kingdom was present. The kingdom, there's good news in the kingdom. And he explained to them in words that the kingdom was present, that there was good news. But he also showed them with actions. And I think that's important in missions. I think that's important in evangelism. Uh, If you just tell someone something, they're less likely to understand it and to receive it. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is about to send out the twelve. So this wasn't just his strategy for, for ministry. It was also the strategy he gave the twelve. And what he tells, it says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out. And here we have that nearly the exact same words to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Let's see that next slide. I thought this was interesting. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Sometimes when I want to make these texts practical to my mission uh, experience, to my evangelism and and, and, and mission work, uh, the question is, okay, well, I can proclaim with words the good news of the kingdom, but I haven't been given power and authority to drive out demons and heal sick people. So what can I do? And so what I've attempted to do is I've attempted to use agriculture as that ministry and service to show people the presence of the kingdom. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, But yeah, I'm not casting out any demons or healing sick people, but I'm using agriculture. And I'll tell you why I think that's important. Luke chapter 10, just one chapter later, uh, Jesus sends out the 70 or the 72, depending on your translation. And he sends out these seven. He gives them the exact same uh, instructions. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. We're to proclaim the kingdom with words and with deeds. So why is that important? Why should we include service in our evangelism? Uh, This is the the reason that I think most people will give. And and these are not really, this isn't one of my top three reasons myself for my own mission work. But uh, we have love and concern for others. Jesus had love and concern for others. And, and, and that happened in Mark 6 when he was feeding the 5,000. There he had compassion on them. And so he began to teach them many things. And later he, he even feeds them. And then you see in Luke 7 with the widow's son. Uh, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. And then he heals the son. Raises, raises the son from the dead. John 11, you have it again with Lazarus. The fact that his heart was touched and he was deeply moved. So it's true that love and concern for others should be a prompt for service and ministry. But I've got three reasons that I really like to include service and evangelism that I think, that I think are, are also in keeping with, with these texts from Matthew chapter 4, 9, Luke 9, Luke 9 and Luke 10. And, and that'll be the next slide. The first of these is that when we include service and evangelism, we demonstrate the kingdom. Uh, rather than just proclaiming it, we actually demonstrate it. We give people a taste of what's to come. So I really enjoy smoking meats. Uh, we, we, we slaughter our own pigs in, in Tanzania, and we, we, we cure our own bacon. We like to cure our own ham. We smoke hams and smoke bacons. I, I like a good pork shoulder. I don't know how to do brisket. <laughs> I know that's what, that's what people in Texas probably prefer. I don't know how to do a good brisket. But, um, you know, it, whenever it comes time and I think it's almost ready, I'll go and I'll take a little piece off and I'll take it back to a plate and I'll cut it up into sections and everybody that's there will get a section. I'll say, here's a little taste of what's to come. Now, that's not, that's not enough food to fill anyone there up. But they do get a taste of what's to come to know that they will be full later. And I think that's kind of how this kingdom stuff works. We know that we don't experience the kingdom in full yet, but we experience it in part. And you know, when Jesus healed the sick, 
uh, when he raised the dead, every sick person that he healed, later they got sick again. Every, every person that was raised from the dead, later they died. So it wasn't permanent. The idea is there is a permanence that's coming. There is a life, an eternal life with God that's coming. And I want to give you a taste of what's to come. And so that's what we've attempted to do with our ministry work. Where there's food insecurity, agriculture can actually give people food security. It's a taste of what's to come. And we combine it with, with uh, evangelism work. There are two other reasons, and I'll, I'll move through these really quickly. One is just to gain access into new communities. And I think that's why Jesus sends out the, the 12 and the 70 healing the sick and proclaiming the good news is they're looking for people. In Luke 10, it's described as people of peace. How do we gain access to these new communities so that we can teach scripture? How do we gain access so we can invite them into the kingdom that we've learned about? And number three is very similar. How do we provide credibility? Uh, These service ministries provide credibility for us in these new communities. For me, this is working in really interesting ways. I've been invited over and over again uh, for the last two years to move into the coastal Tanzania areas where it's 99% Muslim. And I'm being invited to come in and teach agriculture, even though I teach Bible together with my agriculture seminars. I teach Bible and agriculture right together. And they've invited me in over and over again because I've now got access and credibility because of the agriculture ministry that I'm bringing. So that's kind of how that works. I want to show you some photos of our work. This is just me sitting with some of the farmers in one of the churches of Christ that we work with. So this church existed before I ever moved to Tanzania, but this is the, this is the group that, uh, that really taught me Swahili. I would just go and, and sleep in their village and just practice Swahili, farm with them, go to, go to Bible studies with them. Once I got to the point that I could actually teach, I started teaching. And uh, this was taken earlier this year, but this is probably my closest group of Tanzanian friends. Uh, this village is called Mwakiwasha Village. Um, next slide. This is Ibondo Village, and they're doing an agriculture seminar here that probably came three or four years after me starting to teach Bible in their church. So here in, in, in Ibondo Church of Christ, you know, I didn't need an access ministry. Um, they invited me in to teach Bible, but later I did bring them some agri- agriculture help. The next slide will show uh, their maize. Uh, this is a little bit of a, an unintentional experiment. They told me that they planted maize here on the left the same way that they planted it on the right. I was present when we planted what was on the left. I wasn't plant- present when they did what was on the right. And, uh, and we did it exactly the way I told them over here. And when I came back to visit, it looked like this. I said, what happened over here? They said, we don't know. We did the exact same thing you said. But they clearly didn't do the exact same thing. And it was an unintentional experiment that showed them if they'll actually put manure in those planting basins where we're planting the maize, they'll get better results. Next slide. Uh, this is just some of the agriculture that I'm teaching. The, purely agriculture science. This is uh, the nitrogen cycle. Next slide. Um, this is just teaching people how to count uh, how many plants we can get in a field based on the spacing that we use. Next. Uh, this is some of the agriculture research I'm doing. So I'm, I'm about to finish my master's degree in agronomy and soils from Auburn University. I'm doing that by distance, and this is the research project. I'm doing it in Wakiwasha Village. My co-workers in Christ are my co-workers on the farm. And, uh, and we work together on the farm. We do our research together. And here we're researching legume-improved fallows. And so you can see here some of the legumes we planted in the previous season provide a better mulch cover. And that maize is doing better than the other maize. Next slide. Uh, this is that same mulch cover. We'll go to the next slide. 
This is us weighing our, our, uh, our, our harvest on the research farm. Next slide. Uh, we skipped one. That's just the harvest. That's the harvest from that little, from that little area. We got 18, 18 gunny sacks an acre of maize. That's how we measure. 18 gunny sacks is about nine times what an average farmer in our area will get. And that's what we got in our second year of farming using this, these systems. And these are several of the people that farm with me. Next slide. This is the results of the, the research that I started sharing with people in Swahili. And I even made an English, an English uh, version on the next slide. And it basically just shows how much nitrogen we're putting in the field using these different legumes. And if we wanted to do that with cow manure, how many gunny sacks of cow manure we'd need. And you can see here to equal the crotillaria, that's the Latin for sun hemp. Some of you may have heard of sun hemp. Uh, if we wanted to use sun hemp, we'd need 300 gunny sacks of, uh, of manure to equal what we can get by just planting some sun hemp in the field. So this is, this is something that's, that's useful to people. And I really get a lot of access and credibility by providing this help to people. The next slide, I want to move through this agriculture stuff fairly quickly. This is called a ripper. So we're, we're moving into a minimum tillage system. Next slide will probably be uh, me teaching spacings for the ripper. And then the next slide is us using the ripper in Wakiwasha Village. We try a lot of our research experiments out there first, and then they help me teach others what we're doing. In fact, they're the evangelists, and I'm just providing them with some mentoring and discipling so that, so that they can be evangelists in nearby areas. So this is us using oxen tracks. And here you'll see... Uh, there was a group studying. They came to Makiwasha Village, sat in the church building, did Bible studies with us, and then did agricultural sessions with, with us. And you'll see she's, she's holding one of those research posters that I made. And uh, we've now got people coming in from other countries outside of Tanzania. Kenya, just in June, we had a group from Burundi who came all the way to Gaeta to visit Makiwasha Church of Christ and learn from them agriculture and something we call theology of agriculture. Tell you more about that in a minute. Next slide. Uh, this is me having been invited to co-teach. This guy was teaching health, and I was invited to Tabora to, to co-teach with him. I taught the agriculture sections. He taught the health sections. And then when I told them that I always teach Bible with my agriculture, they said, "Well, we'll have a Bible section too." So we had a Bible section as well. Next slide. Uh, this is a group touring the Makiwasha Research Farm. And so this is, we, we, get group, we get groups of 30, 40 people into Makiwasha regularly coming to study Bible and agriculture from, from, from the Makiwasha Church of Christ. Next slide. Uh, this is an opportunity for me to teach there. We'll just kind of go through these quickly. This is me teaching again. All right, this is the curriculum that I've written. Uh, I, I co-wrote it with someone named Sarah, and it's called The Earth is the Lord's Bible Studies on Creation and Agriculture. It's an uh, it's, uh, 11... 11 part Bible or 11 Bible studies put together into a single curriculum and it starts with the creation story and then it moves into the fall and then it moves back to redemption in Christ but all in 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 the in within all all using concepts from agriculture and so the next slide I think shows the table of contents I don't know that you'll be able to read any of that uh, but we start in Genesis. We found that anyone in Tanzania is happy to study Scripture with us. Muslims, non-Christians, non-religious, Christians, anyone will study with us if we start in Gen- Genesis especially. And so we developed this tool as a tool for, for using theology and agriculture together to gain access and credibility for, for our mission work. And so it's being used in six or seven countries already. 
the curriculum is. It's being used in English, Swahili, uh, several small tribal languages. I think it's being used in Amharic. Is that what, what it's called, Christy, in Ethiopia? Amharic, I think. Um, it's being used in Uganda, in, I guess, Luganda. It's being used in several languages, several countries. And this is just one of the sample Bible studies. One of the, the most important things we do with these Bible studies, two of the most important things, they're, they're always, we always focus on Scripture. Uh, we read through the Scripture three or four times. There aren't a lot of ideas from outside brought in. We want to focus on Bible. So we read Scripture through several times. We retell it in our own words. And then we ask, what did we learn about God? Or what did we learn about agriculture? And in the end, we always end with, uh, number nine, how will you be obedient to God concerning what we learned from Scripture today? Make a specific obedience statement for what you will do. We found it's easier to teach people obedience to God's Word as they're first beginning to study Scripture than it is to, to convince them to accept Christ and then a year or two later convince them, now you need to start being obedient to everything you've been reading in Scripture. So we have non-Christians who study scripture, and I would argue are more obedient to the sections they're studying than many times Christians are when they study. Uh, right from the very beginning, we've put that, we've put that, uh, that idea into the, the very DNA of the Bible study. So that's one of the things we enjoy a lot about the curriculum. Next slide. Uh, this is just the curriculum in use. That's Swahili. You're not going to be able to read any of this, but uh, basically they're studying Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. And they're saying uh, about halfway down the page, uh, God plans with a procedure or a system. Basically, God seems to have some order to things. That's one of the things they learned from the scripture about God. Another thing they learned was that everything God creates is good. Another thing they learned is when God finishes working, he evaluates his work. And, and these are just regular farmers pulling out truths from God's scripture. And then we ask them, what can you apply in your farming? Now, this is before many of them have ever considered accepting Christ. They did, we haven't even mentioned the name of Christ in this Bible study yet. This is the very first Bible study in the curriculum. But, you know, they'll leave saying, I'm going to start evaluating my farm work. Because I've just been planting. And then if I harvest or I don't harvest, I don't change anything for the next year. I'm going to evaluate my work. I'm going to come up with a plan because that's the kind of thing God did. And I've learned that I'm created in God's image. That's what they learn in the second, in the second study. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, that's more of the scripture in use. Um, my wife, Christy. Will you just raise your hand, Christy? I won't make you stand up or say anything. Um, Christy has, has recently, over the last two years, started her own form of ministry and service towards evangelism. And so what she's doing is something called WASH. In the development world, it's called WASH. That stands for Water, Sanitation, and Hygiene. So she's basically teaching simple water, sanitation, and hygiene practices in villages. And she was successful in doing that in several, in several churches of Christ in women's Bible study groups. And so then a water well group asked her, would you be willing to train all of our staff and all of the villages where we put water wells to train them in training others? And she's able to use scripture together with her water sanitation and hygiene practices as they dig wells. This next photo is the most recent well dug on our side of Lake Victoria. Uh, and that was in, again, Wakiwasha Village. Um, all right. Second Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. These are, these are a couple more verses that are important to us in our work. You then, my son, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. 
You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is another core scripture for us in our work. Um, I've highlighted some words here. The things you have heard me say, that's Paul. So first generation is Paul. Second generation, the things you, Timothy, have heard me, Paul, say. So already we have two generations of education or knowledge being passed down. Next we have, you need to entrust that to reliable people. That's the third generation. Who will also be qualified to teach others. That's the fourth generation. So in, in, this, in this, one, this one scripture, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, we, see, we see four generations of reproduction in, in, in passing knowledge on and how we should do it. Paul didn't expect to teach everyone everything. He expected to invest in a few who would invest in a few who would invest in a few. And that's multiplication. Um, it's interesting, this next bit, too. Uh, who was Timothy asked to pass this knowledge on to? And he's supposed to pass it on to reliable people, not who are qualified to teach others, but reliable people who will also be qualified. Timothy was asked to look at the potential in people and to determine in whom should you invest, Timothy, who will be qualified. And I think that's an important thing for us. That's one of the most difficult things in my job. In my job as a missionary, one of the most difficult things is determining who here is reliable and who will be qualified. They don't have to be qualified now, but who will be qualified? Because I'm invited to teach Bible 365 days a year. I could teach anywhere I wanted. But I need to use my time wisely to invest in people who will invest, invest in others. Um, I really like... Go, go back one slide for me. I'm sorry. I really like this, this, this verse partly because I can think of all the people who have invested in me. And uh, I'll tell you about just two of them. Because I think a lot of times we, 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 we hear, oh, well, you should invest in other people. As a Christian, you should invest in younger Christians. And we think that's something difficult. Maybe I have to be an expert preacher or I have to be really good at, 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 at teaching Bible. But I'll tell you two of the people who have made the, mo- the biggest difference in my life that weren't related to me. One was a man named Joe Walden from Westgate Church of Christ in Dothan, Alabama, where I grew up. Uh, when my father left. Uh, Joe Walden was helping out with the youth a little bit, but he had a daughter that was my age in school. And this is what he did. This is what Joe did. This is how simple it was, but it's made a difference. I'm 41 years old now and it's made a difference in my life. And every year at some point, I think back to how much of a difference Joe Walden made in my life. He would just call me occasionally on a Friday night and ask me if I wanted to go fishing on Saturday morning. And he'd take me fishing. We'd spend all day together. We'd talk a little bit about Christianity. We'd talk a little bit about life. We'd talk a little bit, a lot, a lot about fishing. And I st- he's still invited. When I get to Dothan, Alabama a couple weeks from now, he'll invite me to go fishing again. And that's, that's such a small investment, but it's been so important in my life. Another guy uh, who really is an example to me in the way I do agricultural ministry and mission work in Tanzania his name's John Gardner. He's, a, he's an elder at a, at a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, a few years ago, before we left for Tanzania, I was working at a, at a nursing home, and I was doing all the gardening and landscaping, growing all the vegetables for the kitchen at this nursing home to get more experience in agriculture before I moved to Tanzania. And John was, a, was, was an elder in our church, and he would come out every Wednesday, and he would just garden with me. 
We just go out in the field, and if, if what we needed to do was weed, we'd weed. If we needed to plant, we'd plant. And, and he just spent time with me, and it was peppered with religious, spiritual conversations. But we never opened a Bible that I remember. But it impacted me to this day. And so I just want you to think about how you could invest in others, because it, it can be so powerful. I want, to show you about, I want to show you some of the people we're investing in, and then we'll wrap this up. Oh, we'll go through this very quickly. So our strategies for mission should be sustainable. The fact that you have four generations in 2 Timothy 2 tells me that if, I, if everything in my mission, if everything in my evangelism work is dependent on me as an individual, that's not sustainable. When I leave Tanzania, everything falls apart. So our, our strategies for mission and evangelism should be sustainable. They should also be reproducible. Um, I've got to make things simple enough that this guy that I'm mentoring can reproduce it when he mentors someone else. So we can't make things so, so complicated. When you talk about church planting, there, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the media, one of the facet, first things we think about when we think about church planting is, well, we probably shouldn't build really big expensive buildings because that's not re- re- reproducible. If the first group has a really big expensive building, then the next group knows that they can't become a church without having a really big expensive building as well. So you'll see a lot of our churches are meeting in very, very simple buildings, but they're reproducible. Um, and, and we do, we do similar things in, in our agriculture work. And the last one is uh, our strategies for missions should be investing into other people. I think that's really what discipleship is about, investing into other people. So I want to tell you some of the people we're investing in. Uh, this is Christy. She is teaching the Waterwell Committee at Mwakiwasha Village how they should then teach others. Because their plan is she teaches the Waterwell Committee how they should teach others. They separate into groups of two. And they go out and they teach every, they teach one person from every household in the, in the village. They teach them the Bible study lesson and the water sanitation hygiene lesson. And then that one person from the household teaches everyone else in their household. So there we have one, two, three, four. We have four generations in that, in that one, in that one idea um, of water sanitation hygiene. The next slide is one of Christie's students practicing teaching with the rest of the water well committee. Because you, you've got to practice what you're going to do. Um, this next slide, this is Johanna and his wife in Mwakiwasha. And Johanna, I started years and years ago just asking him, I'm going to teach a seminar on theology of agriculture. Will you come with me? And he just went with me on the first one. And on the next one, I said, can you teach the Genesis 1 passage? On the next one, can you teach the Genesis 1 and the Genesis 2 passage? On the next one, can you teach Genesis 1 and 2 and the agricultural science portion? And now, uh, this guy is, 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 has started multiple groups. Um, Bible study groups, agriculture groups of all sorts. Right now, he has three different groups studying Bible within a bicycle ride of his village. And uh, those are all looking like they may become churches. And, and so that's, that's what I think discipleship looks like. Next slide is Johan teaching a group of people who have come to Mwakiwasha Village to learn. They call him, uh, the, one, one, of the, one of the first times I took a big group out there. They said, oh, that guy, he will baptize you into Jesus and into agriculture. <laughs> and I thought that was a great, that's a great, that's a great testimony to Johanna. And next slide is Johanna. Uh, oh, this is just a, a group from a local school asked to come out to the farm. So Johanna is investing in that school. This is Johanna's wife on the right and a younger uh, Christian woman in the village on the left. And they, they're also involved in some things we're doing, I think. The, uh, 
sorry, what's her name, Christy? Lucy? Naomi. Naomi on the left is on the water. Is she on the water well committee? She's on the water well committee and one of the ones that teaches others there. Next slide. This is Isaka. He's, he's, uh, he's only started teaching in the, last, in the last about year. Now, I've known him for, for eight years now, eight and a half years. And he's been slow to develop, uh, I guess, a willingness or an ability to teach. But you'll see in the next several slides, he's, this is him showing a group how his soil has improved. And then the next slide will be him showing some of his farm off. Next slide, him teaching a group of people. So th- this is really what I'm looking for, investing in other people who will invest in others. Next slide. Uh, this is just a group that's invited me to come and mentor their development staff in uh, this agriculture development staff in, in a nearby, well, a city about three hours away. This is a preacher training school in Mbeya. Uh, it's a Church of Christ preacher, preacher training school, and they asked me to come and teach everyone in their, in their group how to do agriculture and theology at the same time. Next slide. Uh, this is a group of agriculture extension officers who work for the government. So now the government is coming to us at Mwakiwasha Village and myself and asking us if we can teach their extension officers how to teach agriculture. And my answer is, I can, but it's going to include Bible. And they say, that's okay, we'd love to teach Bible with it. And they're, they're open to that idea. Next slide. Uh, this is a group from Tabor. This is about a 12-hour drive from where we live. And they came all the way to Mwakiwasha to visit and to learn. Uh, this is a group in Musoma. This is about a six-hour drive for me. And they asked me if I could come and teach them, uh, teach them how to use agriculture, how to, integrate, how to integrate theology and Bible into their agriculture systems that already exist. So we did a three-day seminar on how to do that. This is Patris. He's just an agriculture extension officer who I work with in Gaeta. So I've been training him to train others. This is our first seminar. We... We are moving into something where I think we're going to be offering seminars, one week intensive seminars for certificates in Gata Town where we live. And this seminar had, uh, I would guess, 16 or 20 something students um, from eight different organizations. They were allowed to send two or three people per organization. They all came to us. That really cuts down on my travel time and my work fund costs so I could train more people uh, in a short amount of time. So this is something we're looking at doing and starting, starting this next phase of ministry when we get back in, in early September. Offering maybe one or two of the, one, one of these every month or two. Uh, this is a training on the Muslim coast. And the next sl- slide is a second training that we were asked to come back because the first one was so successful. So I did the second one, I think, in, in May or June of this year. Next slide. Uh, all right, so I just wanted to show you that my kids are happy. They're, they're fine in Tanzania. They're doing well. Uh, the girls are, are, are really, really into swimming. They're, they're on their swim team, and they enjoy that. Cohen is a superhero. And, um, and then on the next slide, I'll show you. Uh, this is just our newsletter. If you're interested in getting our newsletter, if you'll write down our, our email address, um, you send us an email, and we can put you on our newsletter uh, we send out one newsletter about every four or five months. That's about how often you get one. And so uh, that, that, that email address, I, I think, will be available later. I want to leave you with two, two very brief challenges. Uh, because we end all of our Bible studies with obedience statements, I thought I would ask you guys if you would consider doing an obedience statement. And so what I wanted to ask you is just to think about two things. In the following week, is there some non-Christian you know that you could serve in some way? I, I don't even think it's necessary in this week to teach them Scripture. 
But if you'll just serve them in some way, demonstrate the kingdom with service. That's one thing I'd ask you to consider doing. The second is to invest in someone who is younger or less experienced in Christianity than you. Just spend some time discipling someone. If that's just ask somebody to to lunch and let them talk some with you about their life. You, You never know how meaningful that can be in the life of someone else. Especially a younger Christian who may be struggling in some area. So those are the two challenges I'll leave you with. Uh, The last thing I'll say is just that I know if anyone here wanted to accept Jesus Christ, if anyone here wanted the prayers of this church, uh, I know this church is happy to offer them, and you're welcome to come forward as we stand and sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible, and through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.